and hours. You, the people, have the power. The power to create happiness. Let us use that power. Let us all unite. Let us fight for a new world. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful. To make this life a wonderful adventure. By the promise of these things, brutes have risen to power. But they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. Now let us fight to fulfill that promise. Let us all unite. We live? Okay. Welcome to On The Wake Up Radio. This is Truth, Freedom, and Sophia with your host, Sophia. Shout out to super producer Cindy Ashby for putting this all together. All of our shows are live on onthewakeupradio.com. Also catch our replays on SoundCloud, Google, and Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Follow us on Instagram face and Facebook at On The Wake Up Radio. Also support us on PayPal slash On The Wake Up Radio at gmail.com. Check out our new streaming site, OTWTube, where all of our shows and our personal content, you can upload it, you can create your own profile, put your own videos that you like to watch, that you like to make, whatever you want. It's all up to you, but it's all uncensored. It's really awesome. Go there today and check out OTWTube.com. And also cash app, dollar sign, On The Wake Up Radio. Again, find us at OnTheWakeUpRadio.com and our new streaming site, OTWTube.com. Dot com and thank you again to Cindy Ashby for putting this all together. Thank you all tonight for joining me and hanging out with me. I'm very excited for this episode. I have a ton of research in front of me and I'm just going to get right into it because there's a lot going on in the world right now and everything ties to what I'm about to talk about tonight and that's consciousness and our DNA, activating our DNA and what that even means what that even looks like, and who we really are as a human being. What that even means, means, means. I can't talk properly lately, so forgive me if I am speaking gibberish at some point. I want to start with consciousness, and I'm just going to get right into it by playing um, a clip, because this will pretty much set the tone of this conversation. Um. We'll start with this, with this, with this guy right here, because let's. I'm going to get into it right about education system. Right now, I'm going to attack the education system because this is where I believe the full agenda to hijack and stream human thought, human consciousness stems from. And our education system right now is also going through its own revolution, where it's getting crazy with critical race theory. Um, all of this uh, sexuality education, it's just all nonsense. And it's all, again, it's an attack on consciousness. It's an attack on our DNA. Because through the study of epigenetics, we know our environment, our thoughts, our consciousness affects our DNA. And what happens if we start to activate our DNA? We don't need control structures, control systems. We start to realize what a sham of a life we've all been living. So I'm going to play this clip that goes into a guy about, sorry, I'm trying to find the button to share the screen. Here we go. Here we go.
and never forgetting also that there is this other unseen hand that knows absolutely what consciousness is who are experts in that fact you're walking around couldn't care less you're waiting for the next movie to come out and the next fashion and all that what hollywood's going to do next but but there's people there who have, who have a thorough understanding of human consciousness human psyche human libido and they're working on it 24 7 to feather their own nests and also to keep man in servitude man whom they think is their creation you know they, they think of man as just being one of their own one of their own uh you know like some, somebody treats a pet if you actually watch how people mostly treat their pets or when you really watch it you'll find that the pet is a slave well we have people ruling the society who think of human beings as pets and slaves yeah they provide you with some food and they take you for a walk now and again you know but they basically you're that you are a pet and you'll be told where to sit and where to go and what to do that, that should be obvious to people by now but these individuals don't really have any fear of us. Well, they do have fear of us to the extent that they know if we were awakened, what we could do. I'm deeply troubled that a very vague, emotionally stated, semi-theologically defined diagnosis of the central global menace is obscuring our national ability to comprehend the historically unprecedented challenge which is being posed in our time by a massive global political awakening and thus is obstructing our ability to deal effectively with the global political turmoil that this awakening is generating. So the, their motive of um, why they would want to dumb down people is also highly practical. Remember, these people are very, very practical. They may be evil, but they're also very practical. They know that you don't want a mass of intelligent, free-thinking, self-aware, proactive, deeply concerned, spiritually empowered people. That's the worst threat that they can imagine. So they have, it's very practical for them to keep people, you know, one, what do they call it? One leash for one neck, everybody in a complete sense of concern with the illusion that they're independent. It doesn't work without that. So it says here, there's an interesting caption, it says, here stands the new man. His conception of reality is a dance of electronic images fired into his forebrain, a gossamer construction of his master's design so that he will not under any circumstances perceive the actual or the real. His happiness is delivered to him through a tube or an electronic connection. His God lurks behind an electronic curtain and when the curtain is pulled away, we find the CIA sorcerer and the media manipulator, Jim Keith, mind control, a mass control, just one of the fine books on you know, Get it. manipulation of consciousness that he did before he sadly. Uh... Get that book. I recommend it. I haven't read it, but I've seen so many clips of people who read it that. I'm going to get it. I mean, I, I feel like I'm buying a, a new book every day. And I, I feel like it might be a sickness that I, I am addicted to buying books. But I think you can never have enough knowledge. And it's good to be well-rounded and always have something. Even if you can't read it, it's there. And so if you ever need that information, you have that book that you can reference, go to, look through. I do it all day long. <laughs> Scurry books, 
read I read chapters sometimes all over the place. But that's what how research is really done. People have this warped view of research. Like when I say things, they'll say, Hey Sophia, can you give me the um where you heard that from? Or can you tell me the person that that told you that? And I'm like, nobody told me that. It's called reading multiple streams of information and then putting some thoughts together and having your own your own opinion. That's what it's called. You know, but anyways, not to put people down. I'm just a little bit ticked off with people lately because again, I see illusion everywhere. I don't see that people are wanting truth. They're they they're claiming it's truth that is their that that they're loyal to and it's not. It's the illusion that they're loyal to. Keeping whatever comfort zone that that they are in mentally, keeping that 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 view um what's it called validated so as usual cindy has provided us with some lovely uh definitions so i'm going to read some an education system refers to the economic and social factors that typically make up public schools at the federal state or community levels such factors include public funding school facilities staffing compensation employee benefits teaching resources and more the real difference between a pet sub and slave is their autonomy Bingo. Each of the three have a master or need one. Each of them know their place and may be punished accordingly when they are out of line. See, this is why I'm speaking about this topic tonight. Because right now, through this whole year we lived through, through this whole, you know, I'm not even going to mention the words, this whole situation we lived through. What did it tell us? It And what does it tell us now with all of the truth coming out about the people who were supposedly the experts to this whole situation? Right. That had we all just used our own common sense and listened to our brains and our common sense about life and air and the way germs work and the way sickness works, we wouldn't have had to live through the hell we lived through. But because most people are slaves, they don't want to tell, admit it to themselves. Most people are slaves because they don't trust themselves. They don't have a full consciousness and they don't have a they don't have the the confidence and the sovereignty to make those decisions. They're afraid of punishment. We are living in a society controlled by fear. Regardless of if you're a, feel feel as though you're happy, most people are controlled by fear of some sort of punishment, punishment, uh, mental punishment, an emotional punishment, or a physical punishment of not having enough, of not of being without. This is what is part of all of this mass mind control. This is how they're keeping the consciousness capped. And this is how they're keeping the DNA from awakening and from being activated because it starts with our consciousness. Our, your consciousness is what will stream to you, your spirit. And I, I don't know if I'm using the right language, but that's all I can think of right now is when you become conscious of who you are and what this world is, you activate your chakras, you activate your spiritual body. It's about consciously knowing it exists and then having that conscious knowing then be expressed in your life physically. And then through expressing the consciousness by being conscious, that activates your DNA. So going back to the videos, because this was part of the same segment and I don't want to jump around. I'm going to just play one more one minute video. And it really, um, where is it? Right here. It really 
just it's a, it's a it's a quote from Jose Delgado, and it also has to do with the book that I that, that they just mentioned, mass mass control engineering human consciousness. But Joe Del, Jose Delgado is one of the fathers of our education system, and this is how he viewed the human. And it starts with Darwinism in the early 1900s. They needed Darwinism because they needed human beings to look at themselves as not no different than an animal. They had to stream the snuff the consciousness and I guess stream thought stream consciousness to us by imbuing that into our minds that we evolved from a lower a lower being up to a higher being so that we are as high as it gets and we all know I don't believe that at all I believe we have been devolved through thousands of hundreds of thousands of years of this situ these things happening them changing food they have they have it about 5000 years ago they started changing all of a sudden the grains were uh hybrid grains so so what the grains we we were eating started changing and were manipulated somehow hybridized how did that happen? And what we know the foods we eat have an effect on our body and on our DNA and all that. I'm going to get into it. Promise. But it's still important, important to understand that the system we're living in doesn't want us to know who we truly are, doesn't want us to recognize our consciousness and be conscious because that's where we interact with reality through our consciousness. If we're not fully conscious and living, say, in the present, as they as they put it, if we're not engaging in the present as conscious beings, we are not able to engage in reality. We are running as an autocrat. We're running off of automatic responses and programmed uh, systems and programmed responses. And it's important to know that. Okay. So Dr. Time. Jose Delgado. Um, this is someone who you really want whispering sweet nothings in your ears in the evenings, ladies. <laughs> Operated at Yale, uh, New Haven for 20 years, from 1950 to 1970. Um, sorry, not Yale, New Haven, Yale University. The new knowledge is so important that I think it should radically change the philosophy of our educational system, which believes in the sanctity of individuals. Thinking that an individual exists at birth, this belief is not true. And this science is going to prove the fallacy of democracy in the sense that we talk about the rights of the individual. The democratic belief is not true because we are forming this individual because we are constructing his brain. We are willy-nilly making differences we either desire or dislike. Delgado in a research paper quoted by the great Jim Keith. Everybody check out the book Mass Control. So that's just a little blip I wanted to show you because this is one of the fathers of our modern day education system. They changed the philosophy of our education system because of this man and a few others from going from believing that we are an individual spiritual person that is an individual expression of God that was literally at the core of the education philosophy before these quack jobs came in and said, nah, no. You can't control human beings by telling them that. Hello, that's what's inspiring everybody. That's what's making everybody realize their talents and passions. We can't have that. You can't control human society if you are inspiring them. So they, they boom, 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 start ripping out all these aspects of our education system that feed thought, that feed passion, that feed individual expression. And they start implementing this man's disturbing philosophy that we're nothing but animals that you can stream thought to that you can stream consciousness to that you can create the being you want 
given the right tools. So that's disturbing to know. And it, and it goes and it stems right now through what we're living through, the cultural Marxism, where they're implementing, say, critical race theory in our schools. And it's, this, is a, this is part of this philosophy. And it, it, it blows my mind because I'm reading things now through my research of people warning. I'm going to read this to you guys from 1999, okay? Warning about our education system being the, uh, the, the enemy of consciousness and cultural Marxism being the weapon to create this mind-controlled society, okay? This is a paper written in 1999, and it's titled, What is the Frankfurt School? So I'm going to get into this. It's a, it's a, it's a good read, but I'm going to be giving you guys a lot of research tonight, and I'll, I'll end up going over my time, so don't worry about that. Um, okay, so I'm going to get into this. If you have, okay, so here we go. Sorry about that. My daughter came in. She needed a, a second. So if you have read the essays on cultural Marxism at the U.S. Naval Academy, you should be quite concerned that our future naval officers are being subjected to psychological intimidation and indoctrination by behavioral psychologists and clinicians whose methods descend from Willem Wendt, another whack job who I've been researching. The facilitators and civilian professors in the leadership and ethics program at the academy are Wendentians. All cultural Marxism has invaded our military acad ac academies and other military institutions and is pervasive. As a result, future U.S. naval officers will not understand, and this is what we're living through, what she was warning about, will not understand the essence of what they are chosen to protect the American civil civilization that is the most precious and vital descendant of Western civilization. So who in America today is at work destroying our traditions, our family bonds, our religious beginnings, our reinforcing institutions, indeed our entire culture? What is changing our American civilization? As reasonable people, we may ask whether all changes to traditional American culture are simply random events pursued by independent persons disconnected from central premise or guidance. Are cultural changes in a free democratic society the chance workings of human intellect in pursuit of what is possible vice? What is appropriate? I don't, I don't even understand that sentence, so forgive me if that confused anybody. Observations in the cultural Marxism at the U.S. Naval Academy series suggest not. They consistently demonstrate a design, a concept with a way of thinking, and a process for bringing it about. Now, suppose we can identify a, ca a cadre of people as the designers. Wouldn't we be interested in learning about this group? Wouldn't we want to know who they were, what they thought, and how they conjured a process for bringing their designs into action? For Americans, the answer is a resounding yes. Such a core group did exist. History identifies a small cadre of German intellectuals who devised concepts, processes, and plans conforming closely to what Americans presently observe in their society today. In the Naval Academy essays, events are directly connected to activities of this group. These intellectuals were members of the Frankfurt School, founded in Germany in 1923. They were the forebears of what is called cultural Marxism, a radical social movement that has transformed American culture. 
Today is more commonly known as political correctness. See, that's how it's first started to invade our culture. It was in the in was in the in the late nineties, early two thousands through PC culture. Welcome back to Truth, Freedom, and Sophia on OnTheWakeUpRadio.com. Thank you all for joining me, and shout out to super producer Cindy Ashby for bringing this all together yet again for me. I really appreciate it, and welcome to all of you viewers watching. Just a little reminder, you can catch all of our replays on SoundCloud, Google and Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. You can listen live on onthewakeupradio.com. Please join our streaming site, otwtube.com, for all of our uncensored content. So again, welcome back, everyone. Thank you for rejoining me. What I was doing earlier was I was just trying to make the connection, not trying to, I was just showing the connection between the fact that we have been having a war, a war waged against us our, on our consciousness to prevent us from truly understanding who we are, the power we, ha we have inside of us and just in our minds, just with knowledge in general, and what it really means to be an activated human. And it really does start with consciousness. I do believe that we're a devolved species. I might, might say this every single show, that we are a devolved species. And this is where they started to hijack our consciousness. And it was first by starting with the education system and telling us that we have evolved up from apes and monkeys through evolutionary theory, Charles Darwin, and all of that stuff. This is when the education system stopped believing in the individual mind, the individual expression of, you know, God and soul. And it started to look at man as an animal that to be trained, to be controlled, to be, you know, manipulated and have basically consciousness streamed to us from what, where they want, have perception streamed to us the way they want. So if for anyone who doesn't know what the heck I'm talking about, I just was obviously doing my eight o'clock show and I had to do a quick dip out, had a little bit of a family emergency, but now I'm back now. And I was in the middle of showing videos that draw the line between uh, academia and the people who basically created our modern public education system and their philosophy on the human mind and on the human individual. They didn't believe in it. They believed in creating the human mind and molding and shaping the human mind. And these are the people who have shaped and molded our education system. And these people were cultural Marxists. So I was actually in the middle now that I'm remembering of reading a paper that was literally written in 1999. Okay. And it's warning us of the um this political correctness of the cultural marxism that was taking over into the native academies and how this is basically you know about to hit all of america and um i'm going to pick up where i left off because it is a pretty long paper but it was going into the the frankfurt institute and this is where the institute of social research that's what the frankfurt institute is and this is where all of these social uh, what do they call it? like social social psycho experiments really were done on to show the how the human can be trained like a dog. This is like Pavlov's dogs, those experiments where, you know, they would have the dogs, uh, they would ring a bell. And every time they rang a bell, they put the food there and the dog would come and eat. 
even though, and then, then eventually they would ring the bell and even though food wasn't there, the dog would salivate as if the food was there. So they were showing that you could socially condition and this is where they did all of those, those, um, those research studies, the Frankfurt, Inst Frankfurt Institute. So cultural Marxism and its critical theory. So again, critical race theory is what we're battling in the schools right now. And critical theory is a main philosophy of cultural Marxism. Critical theory were developed coincident to 1923 founding of the Institute of Social Research at Frankfurt University. The Institute was modeled after the Marx-Engels Institute in Moscow and became known as the Frankfurt School. In 1993, when Nazis came to power in in 1933, excuse me, sorry. In 1933, when Hudsies came to power in Germany, met members of this Frankfurt School fled to the United States. They migrated to major universities, including Columbia, Princeton, Brandeis, and California at Berkeley. These intellectual Marxists included Herbert Marcuse, who coined the phrase, make love, not war, during Vietnam War demonstrations. By promoting a dialectic of negative criticism, that is pointing out rational contradictions in society's belief system, the Frankfurt School revolutionaries dreamed of constructing a utopia where their rules govern. Their critical theory used a strongly imaginative utopian strain to purposely transcend limits of reality. Thus, its tenets would never be subject to experimental evidence. The pure logic of their thoughts would be incontrovertible. A precursor to today's postmodernism in intellectual ac academic circles. It recognized that disinterested scientific research was impossible in a society in which men were themselves not yet autonomous. The researcher was always part of the social object he was attempting to study. This concept led to the current fetish for rewriting history and the vogue for deconstruction, deconstruction our university's laws, English literature, and humanities disciplines. Critical theory rejected the ideal Western civilization in an age of modern science, that the ver verification of theory proceeds from experimental evidence. Not only the superior mind was able to fashion truth from observation, there would be no need to test hypothesis against everyday experience. The Frankfurt School studied authoritarian personality, which became synonymous with the male as the patriarchal head of the American family. These idealistic intellectuals would construct a modern utopia by turn, turning Western civilization upside down. Again, their utopia would be a product of their imagination, not susceptible to criticism based on evidence. The revolution would be accomplished by fomenting a very subtle, slow spread of cultural Marxism, bolstered by modern psychological concepts of Sigmund Freud. Thus, CM became, cultural Marxism, became a marriage of Marx and Freud aimed at producing a quiet revolution in the U.S. This quiet revolution occurred in America over the past eight decades while America slept, literally, and now we're seeing the fruits of this and we're all living through it. Someone warning us about this in 1999. Cultural Marxism. Just what is cultural Marxism? Should it even be bothered about when the world's vast experiment with Marx's economic theory went down to defeat the dis integration of Soviet communism. Did America win the Cold War against it? The answer is yes, but yes, we won the 45-year Cold War, but we failed to recognize an intellectual elite has meanwhile subtly, systematically diffused the economic theory of Marx into mainstream culture in American society. And they did it while our eyes were on the Cold War abroad. The cauldrons of witches brew, which introduced cultural Marxism to America, was the idealistic baby boomer elite. 
young middle class and well-to-do college students who became vanguard of America's counterculture revolution in the mid-1960s. In other words, the draft dodging, pot smoking hippies who demonstrated against the Vietnam War and fomented this destructive to, to women, women's liberation movement. These new totalitarians now hold power, come of age to control every public institution of our nation. But that is getting ahead of the story. So I'm just gonna stop here because I just wanted to focus on the warning and literally we, this is what happened. So it happened. Cultural Marxism is literally what has taken over America and there is a way to stop it. And why am I bringing up cultural Marxism? Well, because it has exactly to do with human consciousness. See, the, uh, that, the, 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 um, the, the nemesis of cultural Marxism is the individual the individual thought. That's why they have to push this collectivism on the world right now. We are, they basically was, we're training everybody here in America and probably all over the world into this collectivist mindset through the pandemic. They, it was a training exercise to get everyone to be used to putting the needs of the collect, the collective whole in front of the needs of the individual to, to snuff out your, your conscious individual desire to breathe fresh air and, and, and focus on the overall goal and what it would mean for the bigger numbers of society, not as an individual. That's what the, that's what cultural Marxism thrives on. It's it's on snuffing out consciousness and, and creating a specific reactive state of mind in the people. And it's really disturbing to see it play out. And, 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 it, and I think it's very important because is this uh a counter movement to the human being free in itself. Is that what this is? Is this whole hundred year plan to disrupt Western civilization and take it over and create this final, you know, global government? Is this all, you know, purposely timed during a point where humanity would be becoming conscious again and, and would be activating dormant DNA? I really wonder. I really wonder. I don't wonder. I know the answer to that. And this is what we all have to start doing. Start un start operating in our no. Start being uh, impassioned. Start being motivated by that individual knowing. And stop looking to the outside world to mirror you as a validation of you being, you know, part of the world. You're not living in reality. You're not engaged with reality. It's all either trying to examine the past or plan the future. And all of that is fear-based. You can't, see, so you can't raise your consciousness. You can't raise your frequency. You can't move up to the higher frequencies, higher dimensions, higher vibrations if you have fear. And this is another aspect of the whole UFO disclosure that, that I believe when people say to me, oh, why don't the good aliens just come and show themselves? Why don't they just say, hello, we're here. We're your space brothers and sisters and we mean well. And I think, well, wouldn't that just be so easy? But it wouldn't be like that because human beings are full of fear. And what would happen is because we're still so conditioned and we're still so full of fear and we need things to look a certain way and we need things to be labeled a certain way, would we really recognize a, a good uh, a good space alien if they didn't look like us or if they looked scary? That's what human beings are being right now, I believe, called to move out of. Moving out of this 3D mindset 
of where everything is coming in through the eyes and being projected into the into the mind and you are having your your reality streamed to you from an outside source start creating your reality from operating within in the i am and being conscious start if when you when you're operating in consciousness see i do this all day i play this game myself or I'll check in and I'll be like, oh, I clearly wasn't just being conscious because I can tell by the way I breathe and I can tell by the way my jaw clenches. If my jaw is relaxed and if my breathing is, is proper, I know I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm being conscious. You just, you know, you're, you're operating in, in the consciousness. But when you do these things, when you check in with yourself, so you, I, I'm trying to train my brain to just always be operating on that conscious level. So I'll make sure I reel it back in rail myself back in and when i do i'll check in with my body how tight is my jaw clenched how you know what i mean tense are my shoulders that's how i know how present i am being because when you're being present you want to you're operating as a conscious being which means you're never going to consciously be tense you're never going to consciously be angry you're never going to consciously be you know reactive so when you're being conscious those things are in control you're relaxed you're you're understanding you know what your thought what you're thinking you're you're understanding what you're interacting with whatever the experience in the moment is or whatever it is that even if you're being still even if you're being consciously still you're in control basically that's what i'm trying to say you know i took so long for me to get to that level that point so when you're conscious you're in control and that's what they can't have they can't have you being conscious because you'll be in control and they can't control you if you're in control and you're conscious. And if you're conscious, after so much consciousness, guess what starts to happen? Your DNA starts to activate. Your brain starts to rewire itself. Your path, your neurological pathways start to reconfigure. And you start operating in a totally different mental space, mental capability. And you start really seeing what can happen when you choose to engage in reality see because again when you're conscious and you're living in the present and you're being mindful right that means that in every moment you're engaging with every potentiality every possibility because it's because it's because it's all coming from the authentic self and it's all coming from in the present moment see where this is how we're meant to engage with information we're not meant to engage with information let it ferment sort of play around with it run it by a few people maybe google a few other people see what they have to say about it no we're meant to engage with information take it in register it through the consciousness then it rings true or not and then you boom 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 life unravels from there you that's how you live and operate in the i am that's how you keep control because again what do we hear when people lose their temper i didn't mean to get mad I didn't mean to lose my temper. I didn't mean to punch that person in the face. I didn't mean to be so forgetful. I didn't mean to let my house get so so messy. I didn't mean this. Well, all of those things, every time you didn't mean something, that means you were conscious. That means you were allowing some program to 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 run you or you're you were wrapped in the autocratic cause and effect you know thing that humans do where they're not again living in consciousness they're just kind of in this reactive state to things they're just going with things as they come and they're re reacting to them you know it's important we we distinguish those things and when we start even just thinking of life like that at all 
a consciousness, how we, how, what it means to be conscious, to be present, to be mindful. And then when we examine our actions and our expression and we realize that our actions and our expression aren't conscious actions and they aren't conscious expressions, that allows you to then start examining those things. See, we've, we're being told so much lately. I'd say like over the last like 20 years, this like whole, it's so weird that we live in a, a time where people are hacking their bodies, where they're so focused on the physical body and perfecting it or creating it to be whatever their perfect artwork. Yet, when you do inner work, when you take the time to be actually not selfish, but to be to, to take care of the self, your brain registers it as selfish. How many people you know, even the a lot of high frequency people I know, they still have this thing to them where they, they don't do what their body commands when it commands it because they're told that, they're, that that's selfish. And it's not. Hello, this is why they have to have you all on this, this five-day-a-week work schedule where you are obligated from this time to this time to that thing. And that obligation, basically, your whole life revolves around that obligation. And that stops people from doing what they need to do or from even hearing their body when it calls attention to something. When it needs rest, when it need when it when it needs ice, when it needs rubs, when it needs this, that, and the other thing, you know what I mean? When you're conscious, you are in that state of being, that state of mind, where you're you're knowing what your body needs and you're willing to give it. Let's see, there might be a, a different levels of orders of consciousness, or different kinds of consciousness, or just one kind with different features. Yes, I want to say this. That's a good thing that you just pointed out. Because I bring this up a lot. The fact that there are, I think, up to 50% of people don't have an inner monologue. They don't have inner thoughts. So if they're not moving, if they're not doing, if they're not in their autocratic state, they are blank, basically. And, and, and actually, the girl who, who actually doesn't have an inner monologue answered questions about, you know, how what her life's like. And that's basically what she said, like, if she has to always be doing something, listening to something, or else she's just blank, there's nothing going on inside. And the way the guy who was, who was, whose video it was, his name's Morg, that's right, the guy's name's Morg, who did a video about it. Um, like he, that's how he was describing it as, you know, we're all here having different experiences with consciousness, and we're all, we are all on different levels, which, uh, which is what, what, why I believe we're in a kind of bifurcation process where the people who aren't meant for a certain timeline are branching off and they're sticking with the organic timeline because we aren't we aren't meant to go through that we probably already went through a situation that they're about to go through already that allowed for us to be activated during this time and they're not maybe who knows but that that is true there are different levels of consciousness going on but is this a predetermined thing? Is this something that's in our DNA? Are the people who are not having an inner monologue or inner thoughts, are they non-player characters? Are they just biological information and not spirit and soul? It makes me wonder. So I, wa I want to go back as I saw all those things. The intuition that it exists, opinions differ about what exactly needs to be studied and explained as consciousness. Sometimes it is synonymous with the mind and at other times an aspect of it. Well, the mind in this book, the science of mind, 
The mind is described as personality, as expression of the soul, of the uh, consciousness. The mind is, is I, I, I'm pulling the book up because I actually had a page because they were talking about this. The, distingu the distinguishment of the mind and the personality and the, and the soul. But I want to shoot gears here from consciousness now and get into actually making changes in our genetic material. Actually, once we become conscious or once we start, say, working and acknowledging ourselves as conscious beings and living in that consciousness field, living and operating in the choice point, that's what I just coined that phrase right now. I call it the choice point, living in the choice point where every moment is a mindful choice you are making and it is in the present i am it's a choice point where you can operate in with reality and make choices in reality to actually create tangible things in your reality who would have thunk but i'm gonna switch gears again to, to joe dispenza this guy is awesome i watched his whole series it's called rewired and He's just awesome. The way he explains things is incredible, and it's so simple. And, and if we all just start shifting our mindset into believing how much control we truly do have over our mind, body, soul, and souls, we'll, we'll shift our entire reality, all of us, all the people who, who are working at it, who are conscious. It will happen. Your DNA will activate. You will somehow, you will, you will somehow become you know, like superhuman in, 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 a, in, in, in the lowest way of putting it. But that's not, it's not superhuman. It's true human. It's the human we were originally, which something happened and outside source, we can speculate for days, for years, probably forever, about what happened and when it happened. But at some point, DNA was manipulated, devolved, you know, deactivated, shut down. And, and who know, again, we can speculate why. But we have to start awakening our DNA again, activating our DNA, turning on our brains. Again, we use like 5% of our brains. We, have, we can turn our brains on and we can really fulfill our potential and become the true human. So I'm going to play this little clip by Dr. Joe Dispenza, one of my favorite, favorite people when it comes to consciousness and all of this stuff. Because, again, simple explanations, beautifully put. Why are we not always, you know, just being taught this from from the minute we go to school? Why are we not taught about our DNA? Why are we not taught about how important our DNA is to the aging process? Do you know that's why you age? It's because your DNA oxidizes. And if you could figure out how to not have your DNA get so oxidized through free radicals and toxins, and you can actually preserve and, and stop and reverse the aging process. Why don't they teach us that? Because they don't want you to know that. They don't want you to be healthy. They want you to think McDonald's is food. They want you to think that 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 TV is healthy information. And it's 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 all bad. It's all to keep you locked in this, men, this mental matrix prison of illusion that they have you living in. I digress. People actually believe in the idea that the way you think has some effect on your life. So how many people actually woke up this morning and consciously created a future? You know, the biggest reason why people don't do it is because you don't really believe it's true. 
You see, if you knew on a gut level that it was absolutely true, would you ever miss a day? And would you ever let any thought slip by your awareness that you didn't want to experience? So your brain, according to neuroscience, is organized to reflect everything you know in your life. Your brain is a record of your environment. It's a record, an artifact of your past. So if you believe this, then, then does your environment control your thinking or does your thinking control your environment? So if you wake up in the morning and you get out of bed on the same exact side as you did the day before, you shut the alarm clock off with the same finger, you slip into your favorite slippers, you shuffle into the bathroom and you use the toilet like you always do, then you walk over to the mirror and you look at yourself to remember who you are. Then you get into the shower and you wash yourself in the same routine way. Then you groom yourself to look like everybody expects you to look. Then you go downstairs and you drink coffee out of your favorite mug. Then you drive to work the same way as you did the day before. You see the same people that push the same emotional buttons. You do the exact thing that you know how to do and you memorize and can do so well that you're an expert at. Then you hurry up and rush home so you can hurry up and check your emails so you could hurry up and go to bed so you can hurry up and do it all over again. Now, here's my question. Did your brain change at all that day? We could say that you were thinking the same thoughts, performing the same actions that create the same experiences that produce the same emotions, but secretly <laughs> expecting something to change in your life. So then, as the environment turns on different circuits in your brain, you begin to think equal to your environment. And as long as you think equal to everything that's familiar and known to you, what do you keep creating more of? Same life. Now, the quantum law is still applying to you. You're just thinking equal to everything that you know, and you keep creating more of the same. To change, to truly change, is to think greater than your environment. And every great person in history knew this, whether it was William Wallace or Mahatma Gandhi or Martin Luther King or Queen Elizabeth I or Joan of Arc. They all had a vision. They all had an idea. Couldn't see it, couldn't smell it, couldn't taste it, couldn't feel it. But it was alive in their mind. It was so alive in their mind that they began to live as if that reality was actually happening now. So can you believe in a future that you can't see or experience with your senses yet, but you've thought about enough times in your mind that your brain is literally changed to look like the event has already happened? Neuroscience says it's absolutely possible. Now, your personality, your personality creates your personal reality. That's it. It's that simple. And your personality is made up of how you think, how you act, and how you feel. So the present personality who's sitting here today, you, has created the present personal reality called your life. Would you agree? Would you also agree then if you wanted to create a new personal reality that on a fundamental level you would have to change the thoughts that you are thinking, the behaviors and habits that you're demonstrating, and the emotions that you've memorized that's become part of your identity? And most people try to create a new personal reality as the same personality, and it never works. We have to become somebody else. Your true self. So then as you keep thinking the same thoughts, 
performing the same actions and living by the same experiences that produce the same emotions. There's a principle in neuroscience that says nerve cells that fire together wire together. And if you keep repeating the same states of mind and body over and over again, your brain begins to fire in the same sequences and the same patterns and same combinations. And whenever you make your brain work in a certain way, that's called mind. So, you guys, sorry, get what he was saying. I don't want to keep going through too many commercials. And I know that was like 10 minute, a 10 minute long clip. But that's what we're living in. We're all, we're living in a situation where from cradle, well, I shouldn't say cradle to grave, but it really is from cradle to grave. We're barely thinking. We're barely using our brains. So we are, we, we are, we are like the program that, that is instilled in us when we're younger. It, it patterns our brain. It puts our, it, it, it creates a, a certain pathway. That's why they say from one to seven that the information you engage with the things you see, the, the, the information that comes through your eyes, what you see, that, that, that is what molds you as, as an adult. That stays with you forever. That's when most of your personality is constructed, is in those first seven years. Why? And why is that when they need to grip you? Because that's where they're origin, that's where they're starting the neurological patterning, right there. That's where they're programming. If you could look at this like a computer, if your brain was a computer, that's where they're putting in the faulty programming is by, and that's where they're deactivating the brain, shutting down the brain by wiring only certain patterns so that the mind only works a certain way. The body only reacts a certain way. And then everything else is confirming all of that around you, validating the reality around you. And then you're validating it to yourself. So it's then again, your thoughts, once they confirm that reality, they agree with the reality. That's why I like to use the term agreements. We make agreements with everything. When, once you accept a bad habit, you've made an agreement with that habit. And, it's, it's, it's our, and now it's seared into your brain. I think they say you only have to do, a, do something more than once to make it become a, a habit, meaning it will have a neurological pattern in your brain. You only have to do something more than once, like in, in a row for it to end up being already seared there into your brain and, and already become habit forming. And this brings me to the DNA activation. We are a 12 strand DNA spiritual human. When we are, they, when we are fully activated in our true human form, fully conscious, fully realized, we are activated, our, our DNA is activated, which means we have abilities. We have uh, like universal consciousness, although we're all individuals, we're all linked in through this network that we know we exist in. You know, it's like some, you can refer to it as like the Akashic record or the Akashic stream, but it's, it's, it's even more than that. I, to me, the Akashic record is an information stream of you know, when you need to, you can need to pull, you can pull anything out, out of that, the, the Akashic record, like any information that you need. But to me, this, this, this field that we're all operating in, that we have all deactivated, we've chosen to not engage in. So this field is going on all around us and we're not engaged in it. And that field is the field that actually creates reality that actually, you know, constructs reality, actually. That's what constructs reality. 
We're barely engaged in that field because our own field isn't turned on. Our own field isn't activated. And the field that is activated is pretty weak. Because again, I don't know anybody who could walk around here and say I'm a true human or, or even close to it. If they are, they're lying. They're trying to sell you something probably. You know what I mean? But we have, that's what we have to all start doing is becoming conscious, choosing to be conscious, choosing to be mindful, choosing to accept and acknowledge and be accountable to yourself as a true human and doing the right things to activate your body. See, once you start putting those codes into your body that allowed your body to say, oh, this girl, this person is doing the things that I want, that I need for me, for my, for, for me to turn on these strands of DNA. Like that's, uh, that's as easy as it is. And you know, this whole new age movement wants you all to think that you have to be this perfectly still peaceful person, uh, you know, and, and meditate and do all of these things. All great, all helpful, all part of your overall health, mental, physical, and emotional. You should do it. But none of that is what's going to create or activate you. What will activate you, what will create this field to activate is you choosing to be conscious. You just making the choice every moment of every day to be accountable. To be accountable for yourself, for your body. See how many people complain, I don't feel good, right? And then you say, well, do you drink enough water? They don't. Oh, well, what is your diet? It's, it's not what your body wants but they like the taste of it. So it's like, why are we living in this whole thing where, where we're having to, to barter like, oh, sensual uh, pleasure, the pleasure of something versus the harm it does to our body. We shouldn't even be living like that. No person should make that choice where they would want the, the pleasure, uh, the five second pleasure of something, of, of tasting something good, say, but, but, but sacrificing their body. This is the paradigm we're living in. This is the hippo Hippocratic world. Hippo Hippocratic. Um, hip, right? Is that the word? I don't know. But this is the hi hypocrisy we're all living in, where everyone says, I want, I want to be healthy. I want to be conscious. I want to be um, spiritual. I want to be, be, you know, um, peaceful, I, you know, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. But yet everything in their action and expression doesn't align with that. And it's because they're not actually conscious. They're not they're not conscious when they're when they're eating. They're doing it out of habit. They're doing it out of uh, desire or compulsion, which means you're not conscious. And again, it's about activating the DNA. I don't even know which paper to pull up first right now because there's so many amazing uh, papers I pulled up for this topic because our DNA is our, again, this is this is the key to everything. The key to to longevity, the key to consciousness, the key to understanding who we are as human beings. Our DNA. So again, you only age because your DNA oxidizes. So well, we are, uh, man, I just, I just think of the implications of, of if this was put in practice, of if this knowledge and awareness was put in practice in, in a majority of, of human beings right now, what the world would look like. This is what they don't want happening. They don't want us getting to a point 
where people are thinking on this level where they actually believe they have control over their lives. People say they, they think they have control, but they don't feel fully believe it. If they did, just like in that video, it would be tangible in their lives. You would see the, the, the product, the result of that. But what we're seeing is the result of everything staying in, in, in the ideal in, 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 in thought, which isn't operating in, in the consciousness, in the I am, in the choice point. So I want to read a little bit of this, like another long thing, but I'll read what I can. We are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. So the secret world of DNA. All these days, modern scientists used to think that 90% of the DNA is useless and even termed it junk DNA. Why? Because they only knew the functionality of 2% of the human DNA, which was about manufacturing proteins. Now, again, I need to just stop myself for a second so I can just say this is important also because right now with the whole jab, the vaccine situation, what do you think they are trying to do? When I read this to you, a lot more will make sense or some of the other papers, a lot about that will make sense. Why? Because they only knew the functionality of 2% of the human DNA, which was about manufacturing proteins. Since they did not see via experiments what other 90% of the DNA did, they had concluded that it is junk, non-coding DNA in scientific terms. As if God has given us a bond saying that DNA would be only about coding proteins. Ancient Vedic seers had always said, now this is why I love ancient civilizations, this is why I know we're devolved, because they knew about spiritual DNA activation at ancient times. Everything they did, their whole reality was, was a physical manifestation of being a spiritual human. Literally, they had coded their temples, everything with these this information, with these resonances, with these healing modalities that we have to fix our DNA. So, sorry. Ancient Vedic seers had always said that human body is capable of being influenced by sound and light, that the core of creation is represented by the ultimate sound, and that the positive light emanated from fire rituals called yagnas would create universal harmony. They had designed specific hymns with specific areas of influence and had always advocated chanting of these hymns in specific pitches or frequencies and performing specifically designed yagnas on a regular basis. One would recognize this if one listens to the chanting of the Vedic hymns, the highlight of which is laser sharp focus of pronunciation and pitch. The ancients had also strongly advocated that we should always think only about positive thoughts and speak good. The missing link. Now, if you are wondering about the relations between above mentioned and the first two things I just read, a Russian experiment has proved that. What was thought to be junk DNA till yesterday is actually the DNA which creates a biological internet, which of course is wireless in nature, communicating via light and sound waves. That the genetic code is similar to that of the grammar of human spoken languages. The syntax and semantics of these genes are similar to the way human languages are designed and also that it responds to precisely focused vibrational patterns of human languages. In other words, it looks like the languages we speak actually evolve from the nature of our DNA itself. You call it sound therapy or DNA therapy or whatever it takes. You can converse with your body. I literally wrote a whole notebook of information two years ago when I first started 
implementing all of this knowledge and wisdom that I had accumulated over the years and that I got out of touch with when I went through my five-year sabbatical, you know, pill popping. But when I was finally starting to really implement these things, I actually have this written down as one of the healing modalities that I use that really worked. And I, I wrote that you can you talk to the body. The body actually needs you to love it. It actually wants you to love it. And it needs you to do things that allow it to feel loved and know it's loved. Those things you do that allow the body to know it's loved, the food you put in it, the way you touch it, the way you talk to your body, the way you think about your body. The body responds, everything responds to your to, to, to your thoughts. Your thoughts carry a field and that field carries a vibration and a frequency and that frequency affects your body because your body has water inside it and water responds to, to frequency and vibration and that frequency and the water will adjust and hold that frequency and that vibration and then it will that's what will, how your body will vibrate and that will be the frequency of your body the frequency of your thoughts and the foods so again it's an information game okay you call sound therapy dna whatever it takes to converse with your body via vibrations and waves and can heal ailments fine-tune your health control body functions etc without the need of any physical intervention like surgery or medical drugs the experiments by the Russian biophysicist and his colleagues about the vibrational behavior of our DNA has proven that DNA responds to extremely focused light and sound vibrations at particular frequencies and hence can be instructed to perform tasks or exchange information accordingly. So things like intuition, self-healing, telepathy, light auras, surrounding spiritual masters, influences of positive thinking, etc. are no longer a domain to be studied outside the boundaries of modern science. The truth is that modern science itself had a blind belief about these otherwise scientifically valid facts all these days. As I have always been saying, modern science is not an absolute science. Brave genetics, technology behind ancient miracles and evolution. While Western science looked, in, looked at the DNA in terms of bits and pieces of genes, Russian scientists tried to look at it as a whole, which is always greater than the sum of its parts. In one of their experiments, the Russian scientists were able to beam the genetic patterns of salamander embryos into frog embryos and thereby instructed the DNA of a frog embryo to convert itself into salamander embryos. And they did without any physical intervention, no surgery, no drugs or touching at all, just beaming genetic patterns. The scientists were able to convert frog embryos into salamander embryos. That's in Incredible, which makes me wonder about since human beings and animals and plants, we all share our DNA, we have common DNA, that makes me know that we have the ability to also do that to ourselves, that we could possibly shape shift or maybe change our skin color, blend in with our environment because we share DNA with it if we only know how to channel that frequency or that vibration of the that, that portion of our DNA. It's incredible. The potential for this is incredible. And again, it's not about figuring out and knowing exactly everything. It's about getting our brains acclimated to thinking on this level that we are this accountable on a cellular level. We are that much in control if we want to be. If we choose to be, we can have that much control where we could actually control our DNA. We can actually control our aging process. We can actually heal ourselves just by knowing we can. Who would choose not to step into that power? Why are we not jumping, hopping, leaping into this power that we have? It's because 
where most majority of people still don't truly believe it. They want to believe it in their ideal self. They believe it, but they don't. They just don't. Because fear, fear of looking stupid, fear of being wrong, fear of, of you know, of, of, you know, being in fairy tale land, like that's really what it is. What's holding people back is that they're afraid of really letting that go. Because what does it look like when someone is going through an awakening process, when they stop caring about blending in society, when they stop caring about just showing up at their job and performing their duties, and they start caring about feeding their passions and their, their true spiritual desires. What does that look like? Most people say that they're crazy. They're cracking up. They're having a nervous breakdown. That's what it looks like to people who are trapped in the matrix. So the fear of knowing that people are going to think you're going crazy if you actually step into this power is what's holding everyone back. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. It just came to me now. Guarantee it. So um, I don't know if I should even continue reading because I have so much research in front of me. So that's that portion of that article. Great article. Um, it's from hitxp.com. And the name of the article is Sanskrit Vedic Vedic Chants in the Secret World of Human DNA, Wave Genetics of Biological Internet Causing Hypercommunication. We have this ability if we only choose to acknowledge it. So I kind of skipped to that article when I should have read this one first. So forgive me. What is DNA activation? Cutting out the fluff. Let's start at the start. This doesn't need to be complicated. You'll need some basic background information and context to understand what DNA activation really is. It makes this as quick and painless as possible. Over the last 40 years or so, depending on your point of view, the scientific arena of epigenetics has allowed our understanding of human biology to leap forward. In fact, since the early 1940s, a microbiological framework for understanding the power of suggestion, intention, excuse me, and belief has been developing, now known as epigenetics. Simply put, epigenetics is the field of study of how the environment, including our personal psychological terrain, influences gene expression. So, and this is, again, this is the article I'm talking about where you'll, it'll start to click about the, vac, the, the vaccine, the, the jab. Gene expression. Gene expression. Gene therapy. That's what that's considered. Gene expression. Put the two and two together. Including our... In, okay, so how much does environment affect our genetics? Turns out quite a lot. It's now estimated that 95% or more of disease is driven environmentally rather than by hereditary. This is great news because it puts us in the driver's seat to create our own health. In other words, lifestyle circumstances and choices are the prime determinants of health, things like nutrition, stress, air quality, sleep, light, dark, mood changes, um, xenoestrogens, on and on. The list goes, it all influences gene expression, how our DNA functions. So our genes are overall highly malleable. We can exploit this genioplasticity to garner health benefits and even help deepen our spiritual progress. This is what most forms of DNA activation claim to do. You may have heard all the talk of so-called codes and wondered if there's any merit to it. Well, that depends on whose codes you're talking about. Some people clearly just use buzzwords to attract customers without having anything of substance to offer or any understanding for that matter. I just mentioned that. It's true. And that's what the New Age movement was to do, just to hijack the consciousness 
activation, the awakening of all of these things, and to put all these buzzwords out there. So all these people who are motivated by the ideal of liking this persona are attracted to the new age movement because they like to, 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 to that they like being the guru they like playing that role and that's what life is right now it's for a majority of people it's people playing a freaking role not people engaging in their true self engaging in with their consciousness being mindful and living from that place everyone is living from this personality persona that they they've decided and set that that they want to be and they're playing a role and it's, they're playing on, you know, the grand stage of someone else's reality. It's so sad. As you probably know, the vast majority of our DNA text is not used in the coding of proteins and enzymes. It is in non-coding, and scientists initially dubbed it junk DNA. How much of our DNA is junk? They said about 95 to 99%. We just read about this. We now know that a large portion of that junk DNA is made up of mobile genetic elements or jumping genes in layman's terms. Through the principle of epigenetics, these mobile elements can rewrite, activate, or deactivate certain genetic codes. So what is DNA activation? DNA activation is the process of intentionally altering your DNA's expression to enhance your consciousness, health, spiritual connection, and even the entire tapestry of your life, if it's done right and true. So I'll branch off from this article because again that's all that's all that really needs to be said from here and this article is from uh brenda uh brenda brend and murphy.com slash what is dna activation life is very simple and they've put a buffering system in front of everything in front of our minds in front of our bodies in front of our souls so that we are very compartmentalized so that we don't operate in a brain heart gut harmony union as a unified human so that we are a compartmentalized human and that's how they can control us because if they can get you to compartmentalize aspects of yourself they know how to drive those parts of your personality how do they know how to drive those parts of your personality through education and culture entertainment i'm pointing to my tv by the way like like you guys know what i'm doing um uh, my t uh, a tv over there so that's how that's how they get they control you by problem reaction solution cause and effect you are literally not you but the majority of people are running on cause and effect that cause and effect was instilled into them through the programming of the education system and then the programming of the culture the entertainment industry depending on obviously the parent how the parent teaches that child see again it's not about preventing yourself or your child or people you love from interacting with certain information. It's not what it's about. It's about being conscious so that you can interact with information and be conscious enough to know what isn't pure, what isn't good, what isn't of a high vibration, what isn't of a high frequency. So then you can throw it out, reject it, and you can consciously reject it. So when you consciously reject something, it adds substance. It adds to your field that you did it, made a conscious choice to reject something bad for you that raises your vibration, just that alone. See, people are in this, again, stuck in this denial and then, and then a kind of explosion thing happening where we want to deny our thoughts, we want to deny our feelings, we want to deny our emotions, and that is allowing you to not control them. 
See, when you acknowledge your thoughts, see, I have crazy thoughts all the time, but I know how to say to myself, I have another part of me that has always been there as far back as I can remember. Thank God for her. I love her so much because she has prevented so much turmoil from my life because she'll say, that's not you, that thought. You don't really feel that way. And then I'll say, I don't really feel that way. Why did that thought even come in my head? And then out goes that thought. And then I strengthen my deflector in my you know, spirit field, my mental field, to not allow that thought to come in again. Because I consciously rejected it. I didn't deny it. I didn't say, oh, that's not me. I don't think like that. That was my thought. Huh? That's what makes people end up being a slave to their thoughts, their negative thoughts and their negative emotions is their denial of them. Just can just say, oh yeah, that came in and it's not really of me. And then it goes out, but then now you have a blocker that you consciously put up against it. And that has a genetic effect on you. That has a DNA effect on you. It just does. It has a mental effect on you. It starts to unify you. It strengthens your field. We have a field. If we can, can, can just engage with it, strengthen it, we can all interact with each other. You know, I'm starting to believe I'm a telepath. And, and it's just starting to dawn on me that that might be what's going on. Because my whole life, right, whenever I'm in situations where I'm one-on-one -on -one with someone or I'm in, like, family situations, I will say something. And someone will be like, I was just thinking that. Or I will hear a thought and then someone will say it and then I'll be like, oh, that's it. That's funny. And they're like, oh, I, I think I'm hearing their thoughts. I'm hearing their thought. And then so I'll either express the thought that, that I heard coming from their field or when they express their thought, I'm like, oh my God, that's what I was just picking up on. I know I sound a little crazy saying that, but we all have this ability. When I'm with my, my one of my sisters, my sister Diana, we're, we all like that. We don't have to engage in, in verbal conversation. It's bizarre. And, and I just will know, and she'll just will know what's in my head and what's in her head. And I have a, also a friend like that, that I'm like that with. And I think we all have this. And it's about how conscious we are in those moments, how strong our field is in those moments. You know, I believe it. And I think, I don't think I know this. I know this. I know there is another realm, another, another field that's, that, that, that's here with us that allows us to to be portals of information to be streams of information to be expressions of information of higher frequencies but again these evil people when we say the they that i'm talking about evil people who are either of reptilian bloodlines of uh you know created by either the, this other species to be here amongst us, to keep us down, to boggle us down, to be kind of the weeds among the wheat. I do believe that. I do believe there are people here who are of just, uh, you know, they're just a body and, and they're, they're of, um, of a different purpose. And that purpose is to convolute and get in between the people who have this 12 strand DNA, the people who are of soul spirit body i want to see that fear comment okay i'm going to pick up here according to the ancient spiritualists and shamans as well as modern sages of scientific wisdom our junk dna is the 12 strand holographic version of dna bingo exactly it was 
that was going to be my next item. But I don't think I'm going to make it because my computer's dying. It contains encoded messages that simply need to be triggered to help us attain unimaginable states of euphoric communion with God and our higher selves. Exactly. Oh, my God. I love when you give your input. I love when you put these awesome things in there. Soul is the spiritual nature of man, while mind is man's faculty of thinking and reasoning. The soul is considered as the essence of man, while the mind is the charge of man's consciousness and thoughts. Beautifully put. Wow. Yes. Our desires stem from our souls, while our minds decide what actions to take in order to achieve our desires. That is a very important point, point because our desires stem from our souls. If we're cut off from our souls, our souls, our souls, who's controlling our desires? Our wants and desires all the time. And what, where they're, why they're being controlled by outside circumstances and outside projections because we're not in tune with our soul. So we can't know what our own wants, needs, and desires are if we're not in union with our soul, with our spirit, and able to communicate with our souls. So they, that's another aspect of this whole consciousness, this, this uh, thing with consciousness and our DNA and our minds and understanding who we are. What are what what our souls are, so that we can uncompartmentalize, decompartmentalize. In 1972, the late geneticist Su Sumu Hono coined the term junk DNA to describe all non-coding sections of the genome, most of which consist of repeated segments scattered randomly throughout. So that's what I mentioned. It's not junk DNA. That's a DNA where it can be rearranged and recoded that's where we can say that's where we can say oh i want to channel the vibration of of the you know what do they say the salamander and that's where we would tell those strands to reorganize themselves to make us a salamander and that's why elon musk said what mrna technology you could turn a human to a butterfly this is what he was speaking of exactly that aspect of our dna that's what mrna does it tells it sends it the codes to tell it what to do, to tell it how to rearrange itself. But I don't think that's what this will do. I think it's going to tell us to be like, you know, just autocrats. It's awful. The vision I see of the, of the human totally cut off from, from soul, from spirit, is just, I see it actually already happening. I see it already happening when I go into a Dunkin' Donuts and I can't get an engaged, a engaged person to look at me and actually like care to, to wonder why I'm in the store. I had to like say, hello, hi everybody. And they were like, nope. So I think it's already happened, but those again could be the NPCs. Those could be the weeds among the weeds, you know, the, the junk people. I don't know, maybe we should call them junk people. They're just <laughs> bodies. Who knows? So, yes, here's the comment. Fear is an emotion induced by perceived danger or threat, which causes physiological changes and ultimately behavioral changes, such as mounting an aggressive response or fleeing the threat. This is important because even, the, even someone like me, I'd like to think I don't have fear, but I don't live in fear. I don't. I don't, I don't have a lot of fear at all. But I have fears. And sometimes fears have an effect over how you're perceiving your reality. So if you think about, say, 
the not spiritually involved, uh, astute person, the everyday person that's a good person, they, they, they don't have any, you know, spiritual awareness or consciousness going on right now. They're probably being run, running on fear. And what keeps them, prevents them from engaging with their spiritual self, with their consciousness, with engaging with that other field is that fear, is fear of being wrong, of missing out, of not, not being good enough, not having enough, looking crazy, et cetera, et cetera. A majority of people live in fear. Why do they choose a job? It's usually because they they're afraid of, of not finding the career that, that actually is their true passion, so they settle. Everybody has settled. They have settled out of fear. Fear of not ever finding that thing. And, and honestly, you don't. When you're looking for something like that, happiness, say, that, that, that comfort zone, you're not, you won't find it. It has to be a choice. You have to say, that's not attained through material means. That's not going to be attained through a job. That's not going to be attain, attained through a paycheck. That's not going to be attained through checking off, you know, boxes. It's only going to be attained by choosing to be that way. And you can only really be that way and feel that way in the present moment and in that choice, at that choice point, if you are being authentic and engaged with your true self. I mean, I don't always want to say higher self, authentic self, but that higher aspect of you, the conscious aspect of you. It's, it's just, when you're conscious, you see through the illusion. And when you see through the illusion, you realize that fear is a useless emotion. It is only useful in, in, as a, in a survival sense. And that's not the fear I'm speaking of. That is the fear that, that was uh, put, say, in us as a survival instinct. This, this is not instinctual fear that I'm talking about. I'm talking about projected fear. That fear is programmed into us. That fear, because when you're a kid and you're being your authentic self and someone tells you to stop, don't do that, you're being annoying or you're being too crazy or whatever, whatever the reason is, right there, they instill, they're instilling the fear in you. The fear of not wanting to displease others through your behavior. So you start monitoring your behavior, editing your behavior to get a positive response from those around you. And then it's that then what does that mean? That makes you a mold of others and not a mold of yourself. So that's what makes you a projection of others and not a true person. And that's what causes depression, disconnect. You know, that's what shuts down your chakras your and, and disconnect you from your emotions. And, and, and that makes you confused. And, and then you start, again, you start seeking more validation, more outside, uh, you know, mirroring. You, get, you find people that, that are in the same situation as you. And then what's that? That's, that's keeping a, a vibration around you that's validating, you know, the one you're, you're in. And it's keeping it perpetuated. And then when, when you become conscious, that's when you pull yourself up out of that vibrate, out of that low frequency, that low mind. And you say, hold on a second. You realize, you know, that that who you are isn't who you are. That 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 person that you've been, that role you've been playing is just that. It's a role, it's a part you've been playing in the world to please people, to be accepted, to 
to to be looked at in an ideal way that you want to you know be seen but what you, you what you end up doing is you 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 merge you merge little pieces of your true self with what you think the world wants of you and that is not you that's not a, that's not an authentic you you can't be conscious and be operating like that it just it is not healthy you know it might get you momentary pleasure because that's that's another aspect of this is why are we so desperate say for reassurance from each other why are we so desperate from for the validation from each other to know to, to say oh well that person you know dresses like me or looks like me or, or thinks like me then that means i might be right and it's because they've trained us they've put us again into the program of this right left thinking this black white thinking right wrong thinking i personally don't choose to acknowledge evil i believe there are evil people out there because they have chosen to be evil they have chosen to make evil exist in their in their world and to a degree i guess i can say i i i believe that you know when i hear it i'm like yes i i don't you know i guess i can shut out evil i don't wish to invite and engage with that and and that's where i think we all have to start getting real with being accountable I just watched a movie last night. I don't know why this just popped in my head. And it was a, it was based on a true story. It was called um, Above Suspicion. And it was about like this crackhead, co-addict woman from like this hick town. And she falls in love with an FBI agent and she starts becoming an informant because she wants, she likes this guy. He's handsome, he's clean cut, he's nice. So she's like, oh my God, he's giving me attention. I'm going to do whatever the hell he wants for me because uh, this uh, a nice clean cut guy giving me attention makes me feel clean. Get it? So she starts being an, becoming an informant. She starts writing out the whole town, all the drug dealers. And I, I did kind of fall asleep through some of it, but they started having a sexual relationship. And she starts spiraling out of control because of this, because he's married and he's, she thought she could get knocked up and maybe steal him away from his wife and his wife ends up getting pregnant. So she spirals and he can't take it anymore. So he actually like leaves the town and, and, um, he ends up killing the girl. But I, I was like reflecting about this movie earlier on the beach and thinking, this is what I mean. That nobody's innocent when things happen to you in your life. I mean, yeah, there are only the only people who are innocent are the truly innocent. So there are truly innocent people, but you most people aren't truly innocent. Most people in some way invite things into their life for whatever streams, so whatever need, whatever desire, they open a door and they allow that 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 thing into their life, that stream, that frequency. And we like to tell ourselves. Oh, you know, it's not, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. Like that guy, he liked to tell himself that he was a good guy. He's an FBI agent. He was busting drug dealers, but he was allowing a drug addict woman to keep feeding him information. She was getting beat up every other week, jumped in bars, freaking nose broken, blah, blah, like, cause I knew it was her. Right. And he kept allowing her to spiral that I don't see. I don't believe that it's all just her. No, when, when you are in a position like that, you have to have some accountability to that person and to what's happening to them as well. 
See, I, I, it's just like a, like a mother and a child. I'm, I feel like I'm not being clear on, on the point I'm trying to make here. Okay, for if I have a friend who I know is weak and and likes like likes to feel needed, and then I start exploiting that part of her for my own gain, and then when that person say hits rock bottom, and they're like, "Oh, you know, I got, I got another," in my mind, I tell myself. Oh, well, I didn't tell her to do all that for me. She wanted to. That a lot, That's what most people are living like. They do things like that. And then they tell themselves that, well, that poised person chose to be like that. It's not my fault, but it is. We are accountable to each other like that. We are connected on a level like that. If you know someone is weak, it is your responsibility. Because if you, again, knowledge. If you don't know that about the person, I'm not talking about about you. That's I'm not talking about people who I know. When you know that about someone, that right there then gives you the accountability to them. That you know that about them. So now you're accountable to treat them in a way that doesn't exploit them, that doesn't perpetuate that part of them. Wouldn't you want to be a, a person that lifts people up out of out of bad cycles? No. Sadly, we're living in a world where people are like everybody is in this kind of vampiric mindset where they're like, who can I drain from? Who can do for me? Who can I take from? You know, who who can make me look this way? Who can get me on the on uh, at this position? Everyone's in such a manipulative mindset. You can't be operating in authenticity and be manipulative. You just can't. Even my own self, I like to think that I have never been manipulative in my life. But when I reflect back on certain things, I think, wow. I was being, I was being manipulative, you know? And in those times, I would not have believed that I was being that way. It's interesting. But that's why self-reflection is super important. Accountability. It really is the key, the key word to happiness is choosing to be accountable, to be accountable for every little thing that happens to you. When you're sick, is it, are you accountable if you pop a pill and you expect that pill to make you better? Or are you accountable if you're like, what have I been putting in my body? What, you know, this is some, what's this response happening in my body? And then you figure out why that response happened. And then you stop doing the thing that put the response in your body. It's like my, my mother, my daughter, they have psoriasis. My daughter never has a breakout. My mother always has big clumps because she doesn't eat right. She doesn't sleep right. She doesn't drink enough water. My daughter never, ever has dry skin. She has the most softest skin and you would never know she has eczema or psoriasis. It's because she's on a clean diet. She eats her vitamins and all these things. I make her accountable for her skin. You get it? It's not just, oh, I have horrible skin. I have psoriasis. Yeah, you keep telling yourself you have psoriasis. You're going to keep having psoriasis. If you tell yourself, I don't have psoriasis because I can do something about it. I can put things in my body that will keep my body from having it. You won't have it. That's how much power you have in your life. That's how much accountability you have in your own life and in everyone else's life. Because once you know these things, no, does it mean you have to be annoying and you'll show in everyone's faces? Well, I guess what I know. And now you're going to know it too. No, that's what shuts people down and makes them not want to hear a freaking thing you have to say. Sadly, we're living at a time where everyone's doing that because everyone's so woke. They're so woke that they got to let you know how woke they are because they're so woke that they know they're so woke. They have to tell you so you know, because they know. That's how they, if you know you're something, you don't have to ever 
tell people that because you'll be confident that they will recognize it on their own because you are that. But if you're not really something, you have to tell people. It's like you want to download it into them. You're like, oh, got to download this. Got to download this perception about me into them because I'm not really that. And deep down inside, I know it. Sorry, this little venting going on here, I think. <laughs> it's too much fakeness. Too many people think they're so aware and so awake, and that's why they're not. That's why they are not seeing, say, the fruits of their spiritual labor. It's because they're doing the meditation. They're doing the, you know, certain works. I don't know. I, I, people act like there's, like, all these things you're going to do. I don't think it's that hard. You know, I can go for a walk, and uh, that can just change my whole world. So it's not like you got to go lay there and really transcendental meditation. Again, those things are great. I love doing those things, but you don't have time. You shouldn't be like, I don't have time to do those things. I'm not going to ever be be spiritually aware. It does, you don't have. You just have to choose to, to be that way. But a lot of people that they're, they're doing all these things and they're like, why am I? Why is there the results aren't there? And it's because there's some false illusion still going on. There's some falseness. There's some inauthenticity still going on that's not allowing the whole thing to just link in and get that flow going, that harmony going. That allows that field to start generating. We all got to start generating our field by activating, activating our consciousness and being accountable. And we'll end with that accountability. It really is the key. It's the key to everything. It's the key to uh, moving uh, away from this political control system that has everybody literally going crazy right now, going crazy. I'm choosing to just, whew, I'm in the middle lane. And I don't mean middle meaning. I'm not in the left or right. I mean, I'm just living. If you're a good person and we're good people and we have good values and good principles, there should be no issues. A sign of intelligence is awareness of one's own ignorance. Exactly. Machiavelli. That's true. There's a saying in the Bible. And I think it's like uh, a fool is wise in his own eyes. <laughs> A fool is wise in his own eyes. And that's true. Too many people are walking around here. You know, and it's one thing to share good information. It's one thing to share, you know, to know to know what level you're on and be proud of the level you're at in life and, and, and impart that. But again, when you know those things, it's, it's, it's a seamless interaction. It's a seamless harmony with others. And you transmute. You can literally transmute someone's energy without exchanging any words with them, without saying, hey, I'm I'm a positive person. I'm going to change your vibration to match mine right now. You want to you link up? You don't have to do that. Engage in good conversation. People just want to feel understood. And when you start talking to someone, you treat them like a human being and you treat them with, with, with actual, you know, care, not like people know when you're being surface with them and people know when you're gen being genuine. If you genuinely interact with someone and they feel like you want to understand them they'll open up to you they'll open their field to you and you will have an energetic exchange with them that is tangent that is is um what's it called of substance a stubborn fool who is wise in his own eyes cannot see the extent of his folly he displays a particular hard-heartedness that makes it impossible humanely speaking for discipline to get through to him Ordinary foolishness is hard enough to deal with, but the foolishness born of self-delusion is all but impossible to conquer. It's too true. 
it's too true. It's too true. And I'll leave you all with that. Thank you guys for hanging with me tonight. And remember to tune in every Saturday at 8 p.m. for Truth, Freedom, and Sophia on onthewakeupradio.com. Always shout out and a big thank you to super producer Cindy Ashby. Always with this amazing input to just bring it to just that, that completion level because I know my words get jumbled and that just always I'm like, oh, yes, perfect explanation. That's what I was trying to say. So thank you so much for that. And remember, you can catch all of our replays. Um, iHeartRadio, Google and Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Check out our streaming site, OTW Tube. Again, on the wakeupradio.com. Thank you guys. Have a great night and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Stay conscious, stay accountable, and choose love. Thank you. You, the people, have the power. The power to create happiness. Let us choose that power. Let us all unite. Let us fight for a new world. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful. To make this life a wonderful adventure. By the promise of these things, brutes have risen to power. But they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. Now let us fight to fulfill that promise. Let us all unite. OTWTube.com, uncensored free speech platform. Look it up. Flawed individual. Thanks for keeping the lights on, Diane. Cindy Ashby Production. Ashby Production. Ashby Production. Ashby Production. On the wake up.